their devices and you spend like real money so that your character in the game can wear a different outfit or can like do a different dance move or something. I mean, it blows my mind how that's like a real thing and that's what they want to spend money on, but that's what they like to do. It's just, it's one of those things I don't get and I look at and I just think, what is the meaning of this? Like, what is going on here with this thing? And maybe for you, you have moments like that too, where you look at something that you just really don't understand or get and you think, what's the meaning of this? You know, maybe it's some other thing like the TikTok, all the kids are doing the TikTok dances and videos and stuff. And you're like, what? I just don't get it. What's the meaning of that? Or maybe for you, you know somebody who's really into Pinterest and you just don't know anything about that or you don't really get it. Or, or maybe you know somebody who could just sit and watch sports for hours on end and you look at that person like, what is the meaning of this? I know that's how Brittany felt during quarantine because we had no live sports and I would sit and watch old sports reruns that I already know the outcome to. And she would just look at me like, what is the meaning of this? And, and it works the other way too. I know people who love TV shows. Maybe you know somebody who loves a TV show that you just don't get, like The Bachelor or something else out there that millions of people watch and you're just like, I don't get it. What could possibly be the meaning of this whole thing? You know, we always find things in life where we stop and, and we go, what is the meaning of this? And sometimes they're trivial or, or funny or little things like this. And other times it's a little more serious. We find ourselves in a situation in life that we didn't plan on, that we weren't ready for. And we think, what is the meaning of this? We get a diagnosis. We lose a loved one. We think, what is the meaning of this? Maybe we get a divorce. Maybe our kid's off track. Something happened that we didn't plan on, and we're confused, and we're lost, and we're angry, and we think, what is the meaning of this? Whenever we ask that question, what is the meaning of this, it comes with all of these emotions. There's a mix of fear and anger, confusion, sadness, and we feel kind of lost. What is the meaning of this? You know, we've been in this series called Real Life where we've looked at the book of John and the life of Jesus through John's perspective. And we've seen all these stories about Jesus. We've heard all these things that he's done and, and that he's said. And we're getting close to the end of that book and the end of our series. And the question that is forming is what's the meaning of this? What's the meaning of this book? What's the meaning of this guy Jesus and, and his life? Like, what's the big deal? What is the meaning of this whole thing? And today we're going to be in John chapter 19, and we're going to look at a piece of Scripture that is perhaps the most painful piece of Scripture that there is. It's a piece of Scripture that was painful for Jesus to live. It was painful for the Father to watch. It's painful for us to read. It's one of those scenarios in life where there's just anger and fear and sadness, and we think, what is the meaning of this whole thing? John chapter 19, the story picks up. Jesus has been arrested. He's betrayed by his own friend. He's beaten. He's spit on. He's made fun of. He's mocked. And then he's sentenced to death on a cross. Verse 17, carrying his own cross, Jesus went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him and with him two others, one on each side and Jesus in the middle. 
Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross, and it read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. So picture the scene in your mind. There's an innocent man who lived a good life, encouraging people to love God and to love others. He was a friend to the outcasts. He was a friend to anybody who needed a friend. The people that nobody liked, he would go and be their friend. He was kind and gentle, yet still tough and strong and stood for what is right. And then he's arrested, beaten, made fun of, sentenced to death, and forced to carry a cross to the top of a hill that the soldiers would then use the very, that very cross to nail him to and to kill him. Verse 23, when the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, dividing them into four shares, one for each of them, with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened so that scripture might be fulfilled that said, they divided my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. See, in those times, you know, people wore an undergarment and then they wore an outer garment over it, clothes over it. And, and what was customary was if somebody was sentenced to death, if they were going to be crucified, the soldiers who were carrying out that execution got to take that person's clothes. So it became their property now. So that they had more clothes, they had more value, they had more material. So they ripped Jesus' clothes off and they divided it between the four of them, but his undergarment was different. It was special. It was, it was one woven piece altogether, which in those times was a little more rare, a little special. It was worth more money. It's more valuable. And so they said, we can't rip it and divide it in four. We ruin the value of it, so we'll cast lots to see which one of us should get it. Casting lots is, I guess, the equivalent to what we would say, uh, like playing rock, paper, scissors, or flipping a coin or, or something like that to figure out who gets whatever it is. And so that's what the soldiers do. And Jesus is hanging on the cross, humiliated, made fun of, beaten, bloody. People are ripping off his clothes, playing rock, paper, scissors for the rest of his clothes. Made fun of like he's some joke. And he's an innocent man who was betrayed by a friend. And meanwhile, watching on, is Jesus' mother. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene. These four women and John are watching this whole scene unfold. And they're filled with anger. They're filled with sadness. They're, they're crying. They're upset. They're confused. And I can imagine they are screaming out to God, what is the meaning of this? Why is this happening? This isn't what was supposed to happen. This isn't the plan. This isn't good. What is the meaning of this? As they look on to their friend, Mary looks on to her son, hanging on a cross, bloody and in pain. Verse 28, Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that Scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it 
and put the sponge on a stalk of hippus plant and lifted it for Jesus to drink. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Death and darkness take over the land. Jesus dies. There's sadness. There's crying. His mother Mary is screaming out, What is the meaning of this? Why is this happening? How can this be the way it's supposed to go? You know, there's always times in life where something happens and it stops us in our tracks and we cry out, what is the meaning of this? This isn't what we planned. This wasn't what I wanted. This isn't the situation that's supposed to happen. What could possibly be the meaning of this? What's the meaning of this crucifixion? What's the meaning of this story? It's love. Love is the meaning of the crucifixion. Earlier in Jesus' life, he said, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. See, the truth is, we are all sinners. We've all done things we shouldn't. We've all turned our back on God from time to time. We've all done wrong in his eyes. No one measures up to the perfect law of God. And you see, God created this perfect law and He demands that everyone must follow it and there's punishment if you can't. And because God is a fair and just God, He has to carry out punishment. He can't just turn a blind eye to it and pretend like nobody messed up. He has to carry out punishment. And so what God does, instead of us having to be punished, God actually leaves His throne, takes on the form of a human, comes to earth, shows us how to live, how to love God and how to love others. Then he's betrayed by a friend. He's beaten. He's spit on. He's humiliated. People are tearing off his clothes. He's nailed to a cross. Why? Love. He does all that so that he could trade places with us. So that he could take the punishment for our sins instead of us taking the punishment for our sins. It allows us to enter into this real life. It allows us to enter into real love. Bridger Walker is a six-year-old boy. And he and his sister were hanging out at a friend's yard, at a friend's house in the backyard, and, and a dog rushed them and went to attack them. And Bridger jumped in front of the way of the, his sister and the dog because he wanted to protect his sister. And the dog started biting Bridger's face. And he kept trying, the dog kept trying to get around Bridger and get to the sister. And Bridger kept moving back and forth, back and forth to make sure he was in the middle between the dog and his sister. And then an adult noticed what was going on and ran over and got the dog. But the damage had been done. Bridger's face was all tore up. He was rushed to the emergency room where he got nearly 100 stitches. And as they sat in the hospital, Bridger's father asked him, Son, why did you jump in the middle and protect your sister? Six-year-old Bridger said, If someone had to die, I figured it should be me. 
I can imagine at the crucifixion, Jesus hanging on the cross. Mary and his friends and her friends are crying out, saying, God, what is the meaning of this? Why is this taking place? This isn't right. And Jesus thinks to himself, I figured if someone had to die, it should be me. See, this story of the crucifixion, the most painful story in Scripture, is filled with love. And it tells me one very important truth about life. Love has the final word. Love has the final word. I know that there is deep pain in your life from things in the past, things that have happened, maybe things that are happening right now that you're struggling with and that you're hurting through. I want you to know that love has the final word. I know that maybe your marriage has fallen apart. Maybe things aren't the way you want them to be. Maybe you're trying to put the pieces back together, but it just doesn't seem to be working. And you don't know what the future holds. I don't either, but I do know that love has the final word. I know maybe you come from a dysfunctional family and you feel like your family's all messed up and, and your childhood was just a wreck and, and it's impacted you as you've gotten older. All throughout your life, you've, you've felt all the scars from your past and I know that it doesn't feel right, but love has the final word. I know you maybe lost a loved one and it was painful and it, it hurts and it still hurts to this day, but love has the final word. I know you might struggle with depression or anxiety. And I know you might try to look like everything looks okay on the outside and you try to put on a smile and keep it all together, but inside you feel like you're falling apart. I know. But I also know that love has the final word. You see, I don't have any answers as to why you get into whatever situation you are in life. I don't know why different things have happened in your life. I don't know why you've had to go through different struggles. I don't know what the meaning of it is. But what I do have to offer you today is hope. What I know from Scripture is that love has the final word. Jesus said that someday in the future, He will wipe away every tear, and there will be no more mourning, and there will be no more weeping. You see, because in the end, love has the final word. God causes all things to work together for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. No matter what situation you find yourself in in life, no matter what emotions come with that, I know that love has the final word. And the story of the crucifixion is the story of God Himself coming down to the world that He created to be killed by the people that He created so He can save the people that He created. It's a story filled with sadness and tears and anger. But in the end, love has the final word. And the same is true for your life. In the end, love has the final word. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his life. And, and thank you that even though 
it looked like things weren't going to plan and, and he went through a lot of awful things. In the end, we know that love had the final word. And in our lives, we find ourselves in situations where we just think, what is the meaning of this, God? Why would you let this happen? How did I get here? And we may not have all the answers, but we know that in the end, love has the final word. And we thank you for that. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Would you stand as we continue to worship this morning?